Hi, it's Karen from See Me, Hear Me, Love Me. We're the podcast for parents with young children, and we know that life with kids is messy, but we're here to celebrate those messes, from spilled milk to emotions spilling out of little volcanoes. And you know what? We really believe in you. You got this, and you're not alone. I just want you to know a little something about your host. Karen Deerwester is an educator, author, and all-in cheerleader for kids being kids. Karen has been a corporate spokesperson as well as a reasonable and reliable voice for kids and parents in print and on TV, on NBC, MSNBC, NPR, Parents Magazine, and many more. Best of all, Karen leads the parent-child classes right here at Benator Congregation of Boca Raton, Florida. Get ready for some fun, a ton of encouragement, and maybe a little inspiration. Today's topic is what lies beneath. Children's behavior is only the tip of the iceberg. And I love this topic because there's all that developmental stuff happening below the surface. The emotions, the cognitive, the thinking, the problem solving, the putting the puzzle pieces together. So how are we supposed to understand behavior needs emotions. Lindsay Worth is here at the square table with me today and she picked this topic and I'm really looking forward to it. It started with a Facebook post showing the iceberg and what's and the question what's really going on beneath the surface. That Facebook conversation continued through a few more posts, particularly one that said comfort is always okay and that comfort is not rewarding misbehavior. I think I'll let Lindsay introduce the theme and her questions, as well as the other two moms at the table with us today, Ronit Beatty and Mariella Leon, who you may remember from episode number one. Welcome moms. Can you tell us a little about yourselves and your children, and especially how it relates to comfort and certain highly charged behaviors? Okay, Lindsay's here to go first, and uh, and by the way, she's uh, expecting her third baby that's going to be coming any day now, so um, she's got a lot percolating in this uh, at this table. Yes. Hi, I'm Lindsay Worth, and I have two daughters, Hayden Worth, who's five. She's here at B'nai Torah in pre-K, and Taylor Worth, who is three and a half, and just one year behind Hayden. Um, they're 18 months apart. They're girls. There's a lot of emotion going on at all times uh-huh, in our house. Uh-huh. And so this topic really spoke to me when I saw your post because to me I feel like that's almost as a stay-at-home mom to two very emotional girls, this has almost become like my full-time job, like sure. managing the emotions. Mm-hmm. And so and I myself have really done a lot of reading, researching because it can be overwhelming at times. It is overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And it's and there is that that this is always the case. And then of course in your family, because you're going through a huge transition for the last nine months, they know that life is gonna change, that there is some uncertainty, that there is some unknown. And so with the excitement 
comes this, just this little disequilibrium that people are out of balance because we have a new force coming into your family. It's all a blessing and all good, but something certainly to, um, that shakes things up. So all good things come with a little bit of chaos. Yes. So, all right, so we'll come back to your questions about what lies beneath. Um, and um, But I'll let Ronit introduce herself. Okay, my name is Ronit Beatty, and um, I have one son, Jacob Beatty, who is um, going to be four in a couple months. And um, we really have... He, so he's a boy, so it's very different because the emotions are really, really calm for a really, really long time. And he's very passionate about something, and he explodes <laughs> okay. with passion. And working with that sometimes um, is a challenge, but I've figured out how he reacts and what his triggers are. Perfect. And it has really worked to kind of okay, get so him to the next. After Mariella introduces herself, I'm going to come back to you first okay. to explain what you now know about his triggers and that process. Um, while we've said a little bit about the gender stuff on the table so far, let me also say, um, you know, there is that stereotype of the girls being highly emotional and having all of that drama. Um, and while that certainly seems to describe a lot of parents' realities, there is a lot of research that says boys' emotional life is 10 times more complicated <laughs> and involved. And whether that's cultural or whether that, I don't know where all that comes from, but in everything we know about relating to boys, we know that that hard not showing it on the exterior is 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 not to fool us that their emotional needs are as dynamic and as complicated as our girls. So it's a big topic across the board. Mm-hmm. And, and in the early childhood years, this is what it's all about. How do we learn to think and feel at the same time? And if we can help them with that a social emotional journey um, and, and connect it to choices and feeling safe and trusted and all of that good stuff, then we've done, we've changed the world. We've changed the world. And so that's, that's what we're out here to do. I'm Mariela Leon. I'm very happy to be back. And I'm also very happy to just said that because Dan, my son's Daniel, he's three, he's a boy, and his emotions are all over the place. He has no filter. He will tell you what he's thinking. <laughs> a lot of embarrassing moments. Yeah. But he's also a very, very, very emotional kid. And a lot of drama and a lot of managing. And, and he's fun. It's, I'd say he's like a very complex puzzle that you just yes. have to like work out the pieces. But once you do, it's just wonderful. Okay, so just describe that image that you posted on Facebook this week. Because... Daniel is, I mean, it was just, it was one of my favorite images of the year. And that was, so here's Daniel that doesn't always like change in new situations, or he doesn't always like things, he doesn't like other people choosing for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and so sometimes you think, oh, I don't know why I thought maybe he were, he was a little more cautious. Oh, not at all. Not cautious at <laughs> not all. At so all. describe, and this, describe this image that you posted that was just explosively happy with him hanging from the sky. Yeah, we went to the uh, South Florida Fair, and he tried all the rides, and, you know, some of the rides, he was just sitting there. He was having fun, but it was okay, until we got to the part, I don't really know how you call that. A bungee? The, the, I, I don't the know. The really. jumping thing that you go up and down. <laughs> 
as soon as he saw it, he's like, I want to do that. Um, my husband and I were looking at each other like, are you sure? Like, this is, we were expecting tears. We put him there. I mean, he didn't stop laughing. The, the higher, the better Aww. for him. So he had he the best time like he ever. was flying. Um, and he said, I'm flying, I'm flying high. He was so happy. It was the best part. Again, so it's that idea of like, you just, you don't always know. Yeah. And, 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 and there's one other piece to just put in the back of your brain for this discussion. And that is their emotional life is their own and it's so mm -hmm. different from ours. Um, it's different because they're not that rational, I mean, that whole emotional, adult emotional life and children's emotional life, there's all that great stuff is why I want to be around the kids because I want that transparent. There's also a transparency no with that iceberg yeah. and that no filter. But it's but this idea that you think you hesitate or you're thinking, is this a good choice? And they really do know so often um, how to lead themselves to, to that thing that makes them happy or to pull back from the thing that they're not quite ready for. So um, awesome, awesome. Okay, so Ronit says that she knows his triggers. So go ahead, describe that. Okay, so it's very interesting. I We went on a cruise this past weekend, and the whole time on the cruise you were telling him <clears throat> that there's a kids' club. <clears throat> Excuse me. And he's like, I don't want to go in the kids' club. I don't want to be away from you guys. And we're like, okay. So I, I told my husband we're not going to put him in the kids' club. So we walked him up there, and we bring him into the little adventure room, and he looks around, and he's like, are you leaving me? And I'm like, no, we're just looking, and we're coming. We're leaving. So we left, and we walked around the boat, and I saw that he was a little anxious about that room. So I said, we're not going to go and do the kids' club. He'll be with us the whole time. And that night, we were, like, doing some adult stuff. There was, like, a karaoke. And he says, Mommy... I want to be in the kids' room. I want to play with kids. And I was like, whoa. I brought him up there, and he went, and he played with the balloons, and we came to pick him up, and it was 10 o'clock at night, and he's like, I don't want to go. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my. So for me, it's I really listen to him, and I don't let him, I don't, I don't push him. I let him make his decisions for himself. And I think that's why, like, even in school, he loves to go to school, and I don't ever tell him, like, you have to go here, you have to do this. Let him make his decision up. And he's ready, and he does it, and, and he just likes know, it. And just given time mm -hmm. to take ownership right. of that transition. Mm -hmm. And again, the other thing I didn't say during the introduction that I love is, this is so much see me, hear me, love me. Yeah. And this idea they that... They need that reaffirmation. You, you, you hold up that mirror and says, I hear you, I respect you, I honor and your I'm gonna choices. And I'm going to listen to you. Um, and then giving him that freedom to choose. Now, how do you, or how did you discover... Um, or was there any challenge to that process oh, yeah. of him? <laughs> because also this idea, if you had just said you don't have to go, because the one thing that I believe so deeply about their emotional life is if we put them in the protective bubble and go, oh, you don't want to do that? Right. Come. <clears throat> I, I never will ask you to do right. what's uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. then, then you can get stuck there. And they start to think of themselves as less capable rather than more right. capable. I think so, the trick is like bringing him to what he doesn't want to do and being with him in that environment. Yes, yes. Yes. So then he feels, okay, I've been here, I'm familiar, I'm safe, and mommy's letting me leave, too, when she leaves. Yeah. So then he's, like, comfortable with that idea and the environment and able to go back when he's ready. I mean, it started really when he was young with food okay. <laughs> and him wanting a marshmallow and having huge fights over, I want this marshmallow now, and having temper tantrums that I was, oh, my gosh. 
and telling him, okay, you know what? Let's work with the marshmallow. Let's, let's eat dinner. Let's finish dinner. Let's do, make your bed. Let's do little things. And you get a marshmallow. And he, so I got one. Uh-huh. So we try to try to use positive reinforcement. So it's, I hear you. I'm listening, and I'm just going to delay that thing that feels so urgent. Yeah, um, that again, I have to have now. In the yeah. entitlement-free book, in front, entitlement-free child, I mean, what I say is everybody is, every two-year-old is me, mine, now. And we live in a culture that's me, mine, now. It's developmentally appropriate that he does not understand at two and three how to wait. But those little practice moments of, you can trust me. And I think that's the other trick is, I can't have postponed gratification if I'm not in a world of trust. And that's why the emotional foundation is always the, the, the basis of anything we ask or any expectation. Because I have to trust you in order to trust myself. I have to trust you in order to be able to take that emotional journey and cognitive problem-solving journey that says, hmm, how do I, con- how do I get from resistance to I don't want to miss out on that? Yeah, um, and sometimes you have to let them get mad. <laughs> you have to let those emotions go. Yeah. It's uh, healthy. It's so healthy. It's healthy yes. to, like, go in your room and scream it out. Yes, <laughs> and that's one go thing for from that the comfort is always okay article that you posted on Facebook that I really liked where it said you don't have to, I guess you can still keep, if you're saying no as a parent, you don't have to go back on that. You can still let them feel their emotions and be upset about you saying no to something. Mm-hmm. Like this morning we came down mm-hmm. for breakfast. This just, I feel like is a good example. And they, there was a huge blanket over the couch. So they immediately wanted to start playing tent. Well, when they wake up in the morning, they're starving. And like the first thing they need to do is eat. So they start, of course, fighting over it and going, you know, and I'm, so I just said, no, we cannot do this until we have breakfast. And then you can play with the tent because you need to eat first. Well, so I took it away. Well, Taylor's flips. (laughs) You never let us do it. Oh, the you word. The you word. I mean, and that's a great example. The you has come a lot. And and I'm not sure if that's just her way of, because Hayden never did it. Although Hayden's tantrums were equally as wild. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm not sure if it's because she sees this big pregnant belly. And so it's. You're not a good mommy. <gasps> I don't it. like thank you. Thank you. Thank you. No, it's a perfect example. This is it's the this age. Is, yeah. Um, so they and Hayden fussed about it a little bit, but she's really I mean, that's the other thing that I'm seeing that I watched Hayden go through this eighteen months ago. The Different like you say, like a volcano. Mm-hmm. Like it's just they explode. And now, 18 months later, at five, almost five and a half, I see her learning how to work through her emotions and actually helping Taylor to do it, to help to calm her. So it's like with Taylor, I'm not as anxious about all the, you know, the craziness because I know I've seen Hayden go. You know Hayden she's go. resilient, resourceful, and they will survive and come out in a yes. better place. But you never know that first time around. But here's, here's my question for you because... And I'm glad your example is exactly what it was because before you said, you're not the good mommy and you're not fair and you're not this, all that accusation stuff. My question was still that same question, which is, how do you feel okay saying no, knowing that this is going to, I mean, in order for you to say you're allowed to have your feelings, you have to be really okay with 
being the bad guy. Mm-hmm. And how, was that a journey for you to learn that? Or did you just know, I'm the, I have to make this decision. I know better than they know. I can evaluate this situation. And they can't make this choice for themselves right now. Absolutely. And I feel a little bit of guilt that I'm, I deal with things so much better with Taylor than mm-hmm. I did with Hayden. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because yeah. she really was the first. And she went from this sweet, cuddly baby to this big personality very fast. You know, she was an early talker. At 18 months, she was full conversation. She walked at nine months. She just became this toddler so quickly with such a strong will. Mm -hmm. And her tantrums were the earth shaking and, and she, for us to deal so I I look back at how I dealt with it the best way that I knew right. but I'm I feel like I'm doing it so much better can with you describe what you felt first time and then I'm going to go to Mariella the first time mom at the table but go ahead how did you feel when you ha- did, tell me about that guilt at when at not responding well how I felt back then mm-hmm. oh it we didn't I mean it would just get to the point where we it would, they would go on and on, and they were, I just think, so shocking to us that we didn't know. We would try to, what we've learned with Taylor is that you can't try to negotiate in the moment. You can't try to make them feel better in the moment. You just have to let them do it. And we didn't really realize that with Hayden. So it would just end up where we just have to, you know, put her in her room. Or just, like, we had had to separate because it was just, it was escalating. So now that's where the guilt is coming from. Now that we're saying, watch out for those timeouts. Watch out for that. I'm withholding effect. I'm withholding. My love... This is why the topic is so important yeah. <laughs> because you're feeling the guilt. Yes, that that you did this. Okay, you took a time out, or you or you sent her away, and so all of us. So now you're feeling like, uh oh. So I wasn't emotionally supportive the first time around, and I, and and I didn't provide, but you did that unconditional love through the learning. Yes. And that's there's the other tip from from entitlement free is what's the absolute secret to parenting. Unconditional love. I got your back. I hear you. I see you. I love you. I am going through this with you, and I will continue to help you grow and hold high expectations. Because if I just stay in the unconditional love bubble, then I am I'm holding you back from making mistakes, taking risks, feeling uncomfortable. But if I only do tough love which I never recommend. This is not about ever being unloving, but it's about saying, I know you are capable of something you don't know you're capable of yet. And so it's holding both at the same time. But congratulations, because that's not an easy journey. Mm-hmm. And, and most parents don't have that all figured out. Um, but it is the beauty of having more than one child, of knowing that my ease and resilience is so much stronger after I see how resilient they are. Okay, Mariella, um, tell us about that push and pull that you feel. Um, there's definitely times that I feel like you guys that I could have handled that better and there's tears after he goes to bed and the situation didn't work out uh, the way I thought it would. Um, I also understand that sometimes they're just being three or two or four and doesn't matter what you do, the tears are going to happen and the screaming and it's just part of the process. So 
I'm okay with that. Let me interrupt you here, if you can hold your thought. Yeah. Right, uh, because what part of what that means is not uh, you're in this alone. Right. When you're allowing them to fall mm-hmm. apart, when you're allowing them to feel those feelings, what it is is saying you can you are responsible for yourself you are giving them this gift that says you are a whole person they don't get to be a whole person if we're meddling in their in their emotions if we're if we're there to fix then we're there to say you can't do it but if we say with kindness and love and embracing it. It, it. It's called holding their emotions. Like, I will create a safe space for you to feel the tears, the sadness, the anger, the confusion, the unhappiness, the, the anger, the blame, the all of that stuff. I am so okay with you having your feelings then what they know is you are the rock of Gibraltar. You are the biggest rock anchoring every emotional storm in their lives. So it's not a hand up, can't see you, don't want to deal with it, mm-hmm. I'm away from you. And that's the part that I think that gets so confusing because when you feel, if, if people make you ask yourself, am I being unloving? And you're not. You're saying, I will love you through who, whatever your mood is, whatever your craziness is, it's okay with me. Mm-hmm. So now go. So now you've again letting him be sad, going to being unhappy. Yes, uh, I was gonna say that sometimes I struggle with the opposite. That I see people looking at me like I'm spoiling him, and I'm the one that understands the puzzle, and I know why mm-hmm. he's acting the way he's acting, and what the solution to the problem is, and that's not being spoiled. Like I, I'm sure you remember, um, Daniel had a period of time that, well, first of all, he cried a lot at the beginning, separation anxiety, and when he, he was able to stop crying, um, when I drop him off in the room at school. Um, he had a period, a transition period, that he was stressed out or trying to like hold his emotions very strongly walking from the car to the room. And you could see, now looking back, I, could, I can see how he was, he was taking everything, all his emotions, everything he had, all his power, just to concentrate from going to the car to knowing that I was going to drop him off. So he would do it, no cry. But as soon as somebody would talk to him on the hallway, he would scream. Like, do not even talk to me. Like, I can't deal with you right now. I need to get to the room. And this is what I need to do. I can't handle anything else. And people, everybody was looking at me like, just do carpool. Don't walk him in. It's like, he's been spoiled. He's just, I'm like, no, I know what's going on. There's something else here. Like, he's not comfortable with people derailing his thought. And at the beginning, I didn't see it, obviously, and I was freaking out, and don't do this on the whole ride over here. I was telling him, Daniel, please don't scream on the hallway. We don't do that. And I was <laughs> it. To the point that later on, it became a game, and he was laughing about it. But at the beginning, it was all about, I can only handle walking to the room, and then I'll take it from there. It's um, one of my best stories of all time. And I would look at him, and I'd say, oh, I'm not allowed to talk to you this morning. Okay, I got that. And he would be like, Oh, she she doesn't she doesn't need to talk to me. She knows what I'm feeling. And and he was so I loved that process. And that journey was so valuable for him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
And and I also think valuable, well, va- valuable for all of us, but also part of your learning how to put the puzzle pieces together. Definitely. And and are there mistakes? Just sometimes you don't get it. Sometimes it's like yeah. you're like, well, don't you know? Like sometimes you're trying to talk him through it or fix or support him. I mean, you're only doing your best. Yeah. But you can't know without going through the journey. And that's why I don't want anybody to try to look for the shortcut or try to always have it under control. I want you to be in the, all the messiness and all the confusion and all the uncertainty. So, go ahead. No, that's, that's it. I mean, uh, um, what other people might have perceived as yeah. this child just being spoiled or he has mm-hmm. problems or, you know... Uh, don't uh, t- some even some of the teachers was get upset that he wouldn't reply to their good mornings. I'm like, well, when somebody says good morning, you have to say good morning back. I'm like, but there's something else going on here. And and, and he would and he's so strong because he oh, was yeah. like, well, you think I have to say good morning? <laughs> I know. You, there's it no how, strange. no way that you can get me to do that. Yeah. And that's part of the dance is. Because I don't think you can know. And I and actually, I just wrote this to somebody on Facebook this morning. She was like, but how do I know when to push, when to sit back, when to do this? And I said, you don't. You never know. Yeah. Now, you have some experience and you go, okay, that really worked. Now, I'm going to put that in my, in my, in my, my plan, in my base. But then what happens is they hit a new developmental stage two yeah. years from now, and that all goes out the window. So you're always, with your firstborns, always gonna gonna hit those developmental stages with complete confusion and doubt and then guilt for doing it wrong but what happens is so what do you what's the answer when you when you have no idea uh, for me I think it's letting him get upset let the emotion play out I I encourage him to be upset like when he's crying or when he's angry and doing a temper tantrum I really encourage him I say get upset let, let it out, out. Let go it to out. your room and let it out scream in a pillow do what you gotta do whereas my husband always tells him oh don't cry don't cry which makes it much worse and I think for me growing up my parents always let us release all our upsetness and, and I came from a bigger family with you know two siblings and I was the oldest so I felt like I always had to kind of be a role model in some way um and always getting upset and letting it out like to this day in my mid to late 30s I am always coming to my parents because I feel like I can I feel like I was open when I was young they were open with me they were open door policy and even to this day if something's upsets me I call my mom (laughs) you know and I want Jacob to have that with me so when he's upset I encourage it and you're not afraid of anything that you feel no I mean Thank goodness, like, there's not too many, like, outbursts in public. <laughs> Although it's happened, and it happens to all of us. And oh, I, yeah. I hate that feeling where people look at you and they're like, oh, my gosh, look, you know. But let me ask about mm-hmm. dad in the mix, mm-hmm. because that idea of he has a different Yeah, response. dads are usually very different, you know. Most dads so are how do you totally different. get on the same page? So men, I feel like men in general, especially with boys, are like, oh, don't cry. You know, they mm-hmm. kind of put this machoism on a boy. And when they're two, three, four, even five, I don't, I think they have to be a little bit, you know, sensitive. And so there are issues sometimes when we're out and there's a big, like, argument over something and my husband says, oh, he shouldn't, you know, don't cry or he'll take him out of the situation. Let him get upset. Like, let him be open. So, yeah, we kind of meet in the middle. But it it also doesn't work. If you tell him stop crying, he's just going to cry It gets worse. It gets so much worse. And then it gets to the screaming point where it's like the shrill. (laughs) And then your frustration. And so that's, that's my... First of all, I think that's one of the big takeaways of today is 
let it let out it out for it's yourself healthy. and mm-hmm. for them. Start there. The second is when you don't know, do anything. Yeah. Do anything and stand stand and watch. Give yourself time to say, how did he respond? Did it get better? Did it get worse? And you know it. You know that question of when you do one thing one way and like you're trying to think, are they wrapping me around their finger? Are they? Are they? Is it a game? Oh, yeah, How are they, they taking advantage? <laughs> and, and you will see, when you respond a certain way, and you feel you just got hooked. Yeah. You know that feeling. You see that look in their eye, and you go, hey, "You got me." Now you don't have to feel bad, like, "Oh no, I did it wrong. You got me. I lost. I gave mm-hmm. up power." You don't. Then you get into the power. Where do power struggles come from? Lack of power. When you're feeling powerless, they don't come from you having a, too much power. They come from you in desperation going, oh, I have to get my power back. So don't don't feel that desperation. Just go, oh, let me just say, hmm, you hooked me. Ha, ha, ha. I didn't, I thought you needed this, but you really need this. Shift course. You know, then take that next step. And just, and so it's always this dance that says, I'm listening. And it is this collaboration of, if I if I give you time, does that help? Or do I need to like say, okay, you've had enough time. I'm sorry. We just have to get you fed because you're hungry, tired, cranky, you know, frazzled, any of those things. I just need to get you out of that situation and let you fall apart. Yeah, and I think for me, you know, making this transition, I guess, with the way that I deal with it, um, it takes a lot of pressure off of you as a parent because you're not always perfect. You don't Mommies have, have tantrums yeah. all yes. the time. Yes. <laughs> so, and they have a lot of grace with me. So I, you know, having grace with them, it just, it relieves a lot of pressure in the house. Like no one has to be perfect. Everyone can, like you said, it's messy and it's okay. And that's just like, oh. You know. It's so important. You're teaching them so much more by showing your vulnerability and yeah. your problem solving and your learning process and your mistakes and letting them know I'm not perfect. Because I've said I've said it here before. I've said it in most things I've ever written. But it's perfect parents don't raise perfect children. Perfect parents raise children who feel not good enough. Mm-hmm. So if you're holding it together and trying to make it look not messy, then your children are feeling like, oh, what my turmoil, my meltdowns, my struggles are wrong. And the reality is, let it out, mm-hmm. show it, mm-hmm. let us, let us, let us do it together. I want, I, I want to talk about um, how, how that phrase. Um, comfort is always okay, or com- I, for- I forgot the uh, I forgot the uh, the quote. Oh, comfort is always okay. In that article, how that spoke to you because it goes to Mariella's point of the the eyes looking at you and saying I'm being judged, um, and so you yes. took a real you you felt <clears throat> really relieved when you read that article. I did. I I felt like for what we are going through our situation right now, it just it really spoke to me. And, um, yeah, I mean, you realize that they're just little people. Like, and so when you're upset and you're like, I know at the end of the day, some days I've just had it. And when Evan will come and comfort me, how good that feels. Like, it's okay to be upset. It's okay to cry. Mm -hmm. And so you know that when you're doing that for them, that they're feeling the same thing. When, When do you know, tell us when you know that that comfort is essential. And that it's really, 
Well, what about with okay? So let's go to the example of mommy. You're not fair. You when you see that that look in the eyes where your children get frustrated and angry with you. Um, mm-hmm. When when is comfort the? You know what? I'm I'm here for the hugs when you're ready for them. I mean, because when they're ang- if somebody ta- if somebody's coming at you with anger and your children do come at you with anger and frustration, um, to like say, oh, give me a hug. I'm sorry. That's like you said. You can't. You can't. Sometimes they're not ready to receive comfort. <laughs> mm, how do you absolutely. how do you balance how how do you know when the comfort when they're ready for the comfort and and how does it? Play I out? think for me it's been um, just going through it, and each time that it happens, it's almost like a storm for like at least for Taylor. Like I see it coming, yeah. brewing. Yeah. I know what it is to get through it, and I know how she is on the other side of it. So it's, I can predict. So, I mean, two weeks ago, she had probably the longest tantrum that she's ever had. It was close to an hour. Okay. And they're starting to get now where she gets physical. She's picking up a chair in the playroom. She's throwing it. She's wanting to hit me. Yeah. And so that this is a new... Hayden would get very upset and very verbal. She'd go more inward. Inward. Mm-hmm. Taylor is physical. So, yeah, so I've had to learn to just say, no, like, you cannot hit me. You cannot throw things. You can, you know, you can hit a pillow. You could give her different mm-hmm. while she's in it. And then I'll just say, like, we have to try to get you to calm down. And she, that that particular tantrum, she just kept saying, I can't calm down. I can't oh. do it. It was heartbreaking yeah, yeah, yeah. to watch. And then at the end, she did. And I just kept saying, I'm here if you need me. I'm here for a hug. And then at the end, she finally did. She just melted. And she was like a dead weight. Like, she just wanted me to carry her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's once you've been through it, and you, it's not to say it makes it any easier. Yeah. And there's times where you're just like, I don't have time for this. I can't deal with this. Right, I, right, right. I'm going to cry, right, right, you know, right. but you have to be strong for them. <sighs> yeah. Okay. So with that, I can't calm down. What did you... Did you talk about it after the fact? Not in that day, but maybe like after the fact, like... Boy, that was a big one, Taylor. You know, that one was a hard... Remember when it was hard for you to calm down? Yeah. Can you go back and revisit that process with her? I didn't actually do that with her, but I I was so upset after she calmed down that I was upset. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, <laughs> so mm-hmm. I went and laid in my bed, yeah. and she came to me and sat on the bed with me, and she was just quiet. Mm-hmm. And I, she's like, I want to go, because when she's throwing these tantrums downstairs, I usually take her upstairs, because that's where our bedrooms are. There's not, there's no toys, really. It's just, you know, more of a comforting area. So she's, I want to go downstairs. And I said, no, we cannot go down until I calm down, good, because now good. I'm upset. Good, good, good. So... I don't and you know said that without saying, you made me upset. Mm-hmm. You just said, now I'm. Now I need some time. So bravo on how you just expressed that, too. Yeah, so that's, I think maybe she's she's learned she's by watching, watching mm-hmm. hopefully. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay, and so, and, and again, think about, um, I had an example with one of my nieces. Um, she has a sister that pushes her buttons. And what was really funny is I said, Do you, does your sister ever push your buttons? And she says, all the time. And I said, hmm, do you think she does it on purpose? And the older one is, is, is very, I mean, she would never do anything like that on purpose. The younger one will always take the opportunity if she can. And she was like, oh, no, she would never do it on purpose. And I said, guess what? She would. 
and she loves to go, she loves to push crazy buttons. And I looked at her and I said, I want you to remember calm always beats crazy. And so when you start feeling crazy, when you start feeling that crazy coming at you, like, you know what, don't say like, oh, she doesn't mean it. Or, you know, what I want you to do is then find that way to bring the calm in. And again, she's a very visual child. So I was like, I want you to bring in bubbles and I want you to put those bubbles from your toe up your legs. And I did like sort of a medi- like a, like a visualization. And she was like, oh, can I make some rainbow bubbles? Aww. And I'm like, sparkly rainbow bubbles. But again, so much of it is like getting in touch with their bodies. Yeah. Some of it and some of it can work in the moment but sometimes it's also letting her know like let's say with the new baby coming or when you start a new school time it's sometimes you need you know extra playground time or extra play-doh time stuff with hammers you know i you know there's a lot of ways to build to, to just feel that letting know that sometimes the emotions get all stormy in your body and you gotta get them out and and giving them strategies in terms of their play or just in terms of like saying, I know those are in there. And that's why even in terms of fears and emotions, monsters and fiction have a lot to do with emotional lives because when you're battling monsters, you know, when you, when you can make it tangible for kids like and think about even the movie inside out like yeah you know sometimes you just like don't want to do it you know and, and, and you can kind of help them look at their emotions from a distance rather than feeling like they're being held hostage by the emotions okay i'm going to ask you a question one question i don't know if we'll have time to do it all before we wrap up but one question just so we can get to the iceberg what part of their behaviors still throw you for a loop? Like, what do you think you don't? Where does it get complicated? Like, boy, I don't know if I understand what's under that iceberg. Is there anything that's still confusing to you out there? Or is it just the moment to moment, um, trying to understand in the moment? Or is there something, you know, like you've already been through, like now we've looked at the behind, the coming down the hallway for the new transition, you know, maybe getting ready for a new baby, um, being in a new situation and having to conquer, you know, the kid's play space. Is it sort of just those generalized, um, you know, new situations or is there something that really just like throws you for a loop in terms of their behavior? I think there is always something new. You're never going to know everything. Um, I feel different every day, and things affect me differently every day. I think the same applies to them, Uh, even more so, because I don't know how to handle everything. Um, One of the things for me at the moment is, uh, like we said, he's overcome the fear of the new things, or, or now he enjoys new experiences and he likes it, but at some times... He gets overwhelmed with it, yeah. and I don't know yet how to not make it so or how to stop it. Or maybe if we go to a playground, there is a million kids, and they're all playing. He gets so excited, and the beginning is fun, but maybe a half an hour after, okay. he's already screaming, and I can see that he's out of it. And that transition period where, okay, i got to pull you out of the playground or how to handle it, that still throws me okay. off. Okay, that's it's a really great example because it's that idea of, like, when when small frustrations start to build together you know and it's this idea of you see it and like you said you know it's going to happen you know they're hitting their threshold mm-hmm. um and again i'm not sure how much we can manage with them and how much they have to go through the experience 
But I do, you know, I do think that when you, like, let's say, you know, new situations like a playground or a crowd or Mm -hmm. those kind of, Mm, that you know that there's that walk (laughs) down the hallway that there's going to be those moments like preparing him if you can prepare you know anticipating the moment where you can say you know what sometimes it starts to get hard so if you need to come and take a break remember you can you know help thinking of skill building you're building social emotional skills now there's one article that i just posted which is how do you get your children to know what they need and I do believe that starting at three, I mean, I believe it even at two, there's, there, we do this in small incremental ways. But, and, the, and the song was, um, I'm, oh, I can't remember. I, I can't remember the name of the song, but it was something like the, is a song, it's a, I, I posted on Facebook, but it's, I need a Band-Aid. You know, it's almost like no matter what, I, I, I don't want to go to school, I need a Band-Aid. <laughs> I, you know, and Band-Aids are kind of magical that way, but it's like yeah. they don't always know what they need. Yep. So you can make a, you, you can play this song, and it's like, I'm scared, I need a Band-Aid. You know, I'm overwhelmed, I need a Band-Aid. And then how do you take that joke and translate it into, yeah, but what do you really need? And you're not going to mm-hmm. be able to ask him when he's on the playground mm-hmm. losing it. But before or after, say, hmm, do you like playing with so-and-so? Does it get too, do you, do you like it? Do you like being on the slide when there's six kids or is it better with two kids? Helping them, when in doubt, describe. When in doubt, just sort of be present. But again, somehow you have to do this without being a helicopter mom and without being an over-managing mom. But it's this, so I do think, and this is why I believe car rides, family meal times, cuddle times in chairs, re- looking at what happened today that was was easy and what happened today that was hard, you know, 10 minutes of sort of just sort of like talking about today and tomorrow before bedtime, you know, having these things in your schedules that are like, I'm here to help you understand how to manage your world. I'm here to help you understand if you want. And if your kids are talkers, I'm a talker. I'm a thinker. I'm an analyzer. So that's that's what I'm going to bring. But if I'm with a child who isn't that way, then that doesn't work. So it's but it's it's really just anticipating and putting skills in place or letting them know if you need a break, take a break. You know, just have, sometimes it might be just a one sentence mantra like when you get to this, try this or following his lead with the scream and go, okay, there's your strategy, and I'm going to respect it and honor it for as long as it takes. Yeah. <laughs> Ronnie, um, is, there, is there some part of that iceberg puzzle that gets you, or is it a general situational thing? No, I think there's always a little bit confusion. Okay. <laughs> Definitely. Um, I just try to do the best I can and. I think how how Lindsay described it as a storm is like perfect. It's kind of like a hurricane, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, and you know it's coming. And then I just, I mean, I think like every child is so different, and my child is so different than I was as a kid. Yeah. The total opposite. Well, thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> thank goodness, not like I was, but I was so much more like anxiety filled child, and he's much more can solve things on his own. So. You know, he does do it. I, I tell him, like, go to your room. And him being on his own and letting it out and him saying the same things as Taylor would say, which is, you know, I can't stop getting mad or I'm flipping out angry. Like, And he will, like, really can't calm down, but he calms down on his own. 
If I'm there and I Mm -hmm. tell him, why don't you know it's okay? He gets more mad. Sure, sure. So he needs his own. So that's the only thing I can really go to. And again, when you just say to him, so do you need some time? Yeah. Do you need do you need some space? You know, do you need some privacy? Do you want to shut? You know, like again. And as they get older, they kind of do it themselves. Like yeah. he's now at the point where he goes himself in the room when he's mad. Mm-hmm. I don't even tell him. Cody <laughs> really gets so mad. He goes in his room and closes the door. And I'm like, oh my god, I have a three major. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You do. But yeah. he like. And you what know, do you say when he comes in back the room, out? He comes out, and I'm like, "Do you feel better?" And he's he says, "Yeah, I'm I'm all better." And I said, "Do you want to talk about it?" Sometimes he says, "No." I thought, okay, so you are, <laughs> but you are doing the post. You yeah, are doing. The, I always ask him after, a, and I tell him, "Let's talk about this for a second, You know. Yeah. And okay. I do think that is part of that reflection and that the skill building because there is a there was a piece written for moral development for school age kids that said you don't just walk the walk. You gotta talk the talk. Yeah. And when you ask those questions, and without being meddlesome, <laughs> again, it's always the tightrope balance. But when you ask that question, you are showing him what he just accomplished. You held up a mirror and said, You manage that. Do you need anything else from me? No? Great, thank you. Yes, I'm here. You mm-hmm. know, and again, it's it is this small yeah. collaboration, but you you are mirroring their world for them so that they know not just that they're managing it, but you almost create the problem solving layer that says, I saw you managing it and I'm really happy that that worked for you. Yeah. Um, and that's um, because that's the skill building that's that will cr- help them prepare for a world that you can't know in advance for them. Mm-hmm. Um, any part, of, anything of the iceberg that we've left untouched for you today? Um, I think what still trips me up a little bit is it's just the the constantness of it and having two very different personalities. You know, two children who have very different personalities, and it's always like okay, and then trying to just run your life. Okay, get where we need to go and do what we need to do, and kind of it's like a balancing act, yeah. you know, and and trying not to be too hard on Hayden because I know that she can handle it more yeah. because she's older and she's been through it, and you know, try to give her the same patience and respect that I'm giving Taylor because I know Taylor's having a harder time. Yeah. And I and I think that is true. I mean, and you only have so much energy to give mm-hmm. and time to give. And with a new baby coming, this is going to come. You're, it's, yeah. This is going to explode out yeah. the side. Oh, yeah. okay. Because Taylor it, it, goes from being a, the youngest child to a middle child. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a whole new. So you've got. Well, you're going to come back stuff. in six months, and we're going <laughs> to and we're going to talk more. But um, knowing that. I, first of all, I think the expectations need to be accurate out there in the world, which is. This is hard. This takes time. Yeah. This is not easy breezy. You know, I, I you know, like we can manage this without. It, it's it, this is your reality right now. You you had children that are eighteen months apart and a third one coming. So that's that's that does t- that does keep you really busy and worn out and tired and stressed. And so you got to take care of yourself along the way, and you have to build into your schedules as best as you can. Just that. That, that that time for for either their dramas or for your for you to rejuvenate yourself and your family it's it's not I mean that's a tough one um, and then the other is just knowing that um, yeah you have to 
you don't want your firstborns to carry the burden of, mm-hmm. and, and the way I describe it is talk about an iceberg, you know, they are the ice cutters yeah, out there yeah. carving out new territory and you yeah. have to, and you and knowing that they need that extra, you know, they need to not have to be the front line yes, all yeah. the time. They definitely have to be able to be a kid, you know, to yes. be the kid because they're, they are still little. But you are tuned in, and you're gonna do, you're doing this really, really well. It's just not easy. It's just not easy. So the wrap up is I'm gonna let you go first on the wrap up. Okay. Um, I believe in you. I trust you wholeheartedly, knowing that in the I don't want to say it for you. Um, you got this, and you have two beautiful girls. And your, your, your new baby coming along is going to just bring that much more love into your family and joy into their lives. Um, how do you have this? How do, what do you, how do you got this for today, for this week, for right now? Um, and nobody can question it, not even, not even, not even the guilt or the doubts. Um, I think just having confidence in myself as a parent. And knowing that, yes, I'm not perfect, they're not perfect, but it's day-to-day, and I'm not giving up. <laughs> I'm, not giving <laughs> I'm not running away. I'm here. You know, we're in it, yeah. you know, Just together. Believing in yourself. Cause yes. Because you, you got, you really do. Yeah. You and, and, and I feel that strength coming out of you today um, and always. So you, Thank you. you do have it. Yeah. Thank you. Rooney? Um, I feel like I want to be in every moment. So the good, the bad, and the ugly, but I want to be there in every moment, you know, and try to just be as supportive as I can. Love it. To, yeah. to know that the tough moments are equal to, if not right. better, even, yeah. than so the happy, So even though sometimes ones. we, as moms, don't want to be in that moment, you know, because we say, oh, man, I can't take it. Like, it's to this. But it's important to well, be there. There's a mantra. When you want to run away. Yeah. I, I, I you know choose, that's what you need to do the most. <laughs> I choose to be in this moment yeah. with them. Oh, beautiful. beautiful. That's what I'm walking away with. Today. Okay. <laughs> Mariella. So how do I think or know <laughs> that I've got it? Um, well, Daniel, he takes a lot more risks now. I think I have made him feel safe. Otherwise, he would not be doing that or talking, expressing his feelings without a filter. Uh, so somehow I have, to repeat myself, make him feel safe. And when I'm there with him, he's fearless. He bungee jumps <laughs> and when I'm not there even when I'm not there he takes a lot more risks and he likes new things so something you can believe in him uh, yeah yeah thank you moms this was thank a really you. special discussion loved it thanks so that's the mess for today we appreciate you listening to see me hear me love me seeing little people learn and grow listening to parents taking a crazy uncertain journey loving the fun and loving the mistakes You write the rules, you write your story. We just want to be part of the conversation. But in the end, we know you got this. We'll catch you next week. Take care. Oh, 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 wait. We're growing too. So if you had a great time today, please spread the word to a friend. You can also join our conversation on Facebook. That's with Karen Deerwester. And there's great parenting resources for you at www.familytimeinc.com. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks to everyone at B'nai Torah Congregation for this lovely space. Thank you, David Dweck, for that sweet voiceover. And thanks to the front and the follow for the song listen. We are listening. Thanks, everyone. See you next week.